Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Thank you, worship team. I love worship. I don't know if you're newer here. Worship is one of our, it's one of our values. It's something that we take very seriously here. My pastor, when I was growing up, um, would always say, if you get people into the presence of God, he'll give them everything they need. And I believe that. So whatever it is that you need this morning, I'm believing that um, as, as we're here and we're together and worshiping in the presence of God, that God's going to meet your needs. I want to continue our series, but first we need to take our, our missions offering. Once a month on the second Sunday of the month, we do a missions offering to support missions around the world. We, we believe in uh, world missions and, and reaching beyond our four walls into our community here and also around the world. Jesus said to go into all the world, and we take that seriously. Can I get the ushers to come up front? Now, as you know, I told you last month we've added a couple missionaries because as your giving has increased, I thank you for being faithful in your giving to the missions each month. And I would ask a couple more of you to come alongside of those that are already giving each month to missions and just give about $20 a month. And we can continue to do more around the world. Last, uh, as of right now, we, we're supporting five missionaries now. We support uh, missions uh, for feeding needy families in the Philippines. We, we support um, a mission in South Africa, a young lady that uh, grew up in our youth ministry years ago that's a full-time missionary in South Africa. She's seeing awesome things happen. We support uh, Bobby D., who's a missionary to our country in this generation here and goes and sets up houses of worship and places to reach uh, around colleges, and he has a real heart for, for this generation. We also have added on a ministry that we talked about last month in Papua New Guinea, uh, to an unreached people group where they're actually having to translate the Bible into this language because they've never had a Bible written in their language. That's how um, awesome what's going on there. We're excited to do that. And also, I want to show you a short video from um, our newest mission. This is Europe's Child Missions. And they're supporting um, children in Europe, which there's a lot of hunger and uh, need over there. And so that's what this goes to. So I'm going to pray. And then as the ushers go, I want to show you this short video of what we're now supporting each month with uh, what you give for missions. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to to be a light and use what you've given us to bless others and to see needs met across the world. Lord, I thank you that we have enough to give, that we that you've blessed us, Lord Jesus, in a way that, that we have food and that we have a place to live and that we can also give to others who don't have what we have, Lord. And we just pray that you would bless the gift and the giver and that it would there would show a fruit of souls from this gift this morning. And we just give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and play that short video if you would. I'm Don Chavis, and I'm a missionary to Europe's Child Missions. Europe's Child Missions is a ministry that reaches for the poorest of children across the continent of Europe. In many cities and villages across Europe, children by the scores will go to sleep hungry and malnourished. Many of these children have not been afforded an opportunity to uh, have proper nutrition, have uh, hygiene properly, uh, as well as an education. Um, and so one of our goals is to reverse that crisis. Many of these children have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want to share that with them. One of the ways that we do that, first of all, we endeavor to, uh, to provide nutrition, vitamins, hygiene, as well as uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ through Bible distribution, through worship events, as well as we sponsor a youth camp for uh, children in Nagidobos, Hungary. And so we, we endeavor to do that that way. We also partner with other missionaries 
as well as ministries to help uh, do some training as well as uh, provide ministries to children uh, at risk. And, and we do that as a priority of our ministry. A large population of these children are made up of Roma gypsies or Muslim gypsies. And they come from very poor families. And uh, many of these families barely have enough resources to provide food for their family. And so we have provided humanitarian aid, even in the gardens uh, of Mejidia, Romania. Um, many of these children spend their day digging through trash, um, selling uh, uh, various items, as well as uh, selling drugs, prostitution, and, and uh, various other ways to make money to help their families. And so uh, many times you will see many of these children digging through trash, uh, selling plastic, selling cans or cardboard to make money. And uh, that may sound like a, a, an awful plight, but the good news is we're making a difference. In the three years since our inception of uh, Europe's Child Missions, we have been able to see over 250 children um, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as well as we have seen uh, many uh, healings and uh, miracles take place. And so God has really uh, helped us and granted us favor. You might ask, well, how can I be a part of this ministry? We ask that you covenant with us in a couple different ways. First of all, we ask that you pray with us that uh, the Lord will be able to open the hearts of the children, that uh, they will be receptive to the difference we're trying to make in their life. We also ask that you uh, pray with us that Europe's Child Missions and Church of God World Missions will make an impact to the children across Europe. And thirdly, we ask that you continue to remember us in prayer and be a partner in prayer, as well as a financial partner. And uh, we would love for you to covenant with us and become a partner. Um, together, we can make a difference. We can change a generation, one child at a time. All right. So that's Europe's child mission. We're going to begin to support them on a monthly basis. So thanks again for your faithfulness and your giving to our missions. I want to continue our series that we've begun at the beginning of 2018. We believe that uh, this is going to be a year of pursuit, where we pursue God's presence, His calling over, and His destiny over our lives. We pursue other people for Jesus Christ. And so we're just going into the beginning of this uh, year with expectancy that we're going to see God move in amazing ways. And so my message is this morning is titled, if you're taking notes, uh, is reposition your pursuit. Reposition your pursuit. If you don't like that title, if you want something else, uh, a more millennial title for you this morning is reposition your hashtag goals. Reposition your hashtag goals. And uh, if you don't know what goals means, uh, it's kind of a thing on social media now where we see things like hashtag hair goals or relationship goals or we even see church goals or we see all these different goals, squad goals. And what it really means is there's this unattainable thing that I dream of someday. I can. These are my goals. Like someday I want to be like this, have a relationship like this, hashtag relationship goals. And so I want to ask you this morning, what are your goals? What's your life's pursuit? If you think about it, what is important to you to accomplish in your life? When we, we all have dreams and things that, that we want to accomplish and this vision of what our life could be like if I just lived here or did this or, or I, I would accomplish this with my life. And we have these pursuits, but my thought this morning that I want to work from is this. The more you look forward to the next world, the less you'll need from this one. The more you look forward to the next world, the less you will need from this one. 
We can all agree this morning, we live in a different time now. Uh, maybe if you were born yesterday, you don't realize this, but things have changed a lot in the last 20 uh, to 30 years. I remember when I was a kid, you, we'd go to the movies and you'd sit in a tiny seat and your arms would be like this. And now you get to spread out and lay down if you go to the movies and I can order food and do whatever you know I need. I, and it's just a different time. If you wanted to watch a movie at home, I used to have to go to uh, Blockbuster. You know, it wasn't just like a thing you went to. You made it a Blockbuster night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Make it a Blockbuster night. You went and you perused the aisles, found the movie that was right for you. You took it home. You popped it in the VCR. And then afterwards, you made sure to rewind it. And if you really had it going on, you had a machine, a separate machine that would rewind it a little bit faster than your VCR. But just rich people had that. I've heard about them. I don't know. But... Things have changed. Other things have changed as well. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, some of you younger people, you don't know the struggle. For me to get a single, I had to call the radio station and put in a request. And that's just the start. Then I had to wait by my radio with two fingers, one to press play and one to press record on the tape deck. Some of you don't know. You don't know the struggle. And then the song would come on and I'd always be, at first be like, that's not the song. And then I'd be like, that's it. And I'd miss the first five seconds of the song. Or I'd have the DJ like, this is Hot 106, playing da, 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 over the beginning of my song. You know the struggle, but now I, you, can go, you can download movies to your phone in an instant. You can stream them. It's easy to get a movie. If I want a song, I can download it to my phone. I can get it anytime I want, anywhere. I can just go on YouTube and watch it for free. It's a different day and age, and we have access to media like we've never had it before. In seconds, I can get anything. I can talk to my phone, and it'll give me what I want. No matter what kind of phone, hey Alexa, hey Siri, I can just talk to it and get what I want. I can stream anything all the time. And it's actually led to a generation of media ADD. We have media ADD. I, I'm watching a movie at my home. We're going to sit down as a family and watch a movie. But guess what? My laptop might also be open. Or my phone might be on my laptop. I might be watching a movie with my family, but also be ordering something off Amazon on my phone at the same time. Because there's something inside of me that says, I always have to keep my options open. Right? Experts say that employer, employers are now terrified of millennials. For this very reason, they say they have career ADD. There's actually a Gallup uh, poll that said that millennials are serial job hoppers. 21% say they recently left a job after less than one year. Because we're always after some new thing. I want to do this. I want a job I'm passionate about. I want to freelance. I want to do something that I love to do every day of my life that's epic and exciting. And, and oh man, I have to do these things. And social media just throws fire on this because we see everyone else living these amazing lives from what the looks of it on social media. And so we think, oh, I got to live that life. I got I to be out hiking and taking pictures for a living. I got to find something I'm passionate about, do it. And so we're constantly having ADD and going back and forth. And then social media makes it even worse. We just post things to get this dopamine hit when I get likes and comments and, oh, maybe this will finally fulfill me. And we live this life of ADD never knowing what we want. But I think at the end of the, end of the day, we can all say and agree that we a lot of times we live for today. 
I live my life for today, and I need today to be exciting, and I need to be passionate about everything I do today, and that's what's important. And we want to be passionate about our job and and our family. We want to have the perfect family with the perfect pictures, with the perfect Christmas card, with the perfect house and and two-car garage. We want it all to be perfect. It has to be the American dream. But might I suggest that we need to reposition our pursuit? Might I suggest that these are all great things, but we can learn from the Scripture something this morning. And I want to read some verses, but first I want to tell you, before we read these verses, a little background. Isaiah twenty-two thirteen. you need to know, says, Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. People quote this wrong sometimes. They kind of take two Bible verses and put them together. And there's a quote that says, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. You ever heard that? And what this, the background of this verse is, is the people were actually told by God, if you don't stop being hypocritical and repent and turn back to me, I'm going to allow your enemies to overtake you. I want a relationship with you, but if you refuse to, then I can't hold back the enemy from your life. And so these people, rather than saying, man, we better repent and turn back to God, our enemies are going to overtake us, they kind of sarcastically come back and say, let's party because we're going to die anyways. And we see this, I think, in in our generation today as well. Many people live with this mindset as their pursuit today. Let's, Let's live for today. Let's enjoy life. YOLO. Is that still relevant? I don't know. I don't think that's relevant anymore. But 1 Corinthians, YOLO means you only live once. There you go, Jim. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. I want to read, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he said, But if it is preached that Jesus has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then why then not even Christ has been raised? And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So Paul's saying there's no point in it if we don't have hope for another life. More than that, we're then found to be false witnesses about God, for we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're all of, peop- of all people most to be pitied. So Paul was saying, if this is it, then we're wasting our time. If this is it, if all I can accomplish in this life is everything on my bucket list, then I'm just wasting my time with this life. What's the point? He goes on to say that Christ has, in fact, been raised from the dead and says, you've seen him yourself, these people that he's writing to, and we know witnesses that have seen him. And then he goes on in verse 32 and says this, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Basically saying, if all I accomplish in this life is what I've accomplished in this life and that's it, what have I gained? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So Paul is saying, basically, if all we're living for is this life, then what's the point? And he brings this verse back up to show us that we need to pay attention to it. He wants us to see this is not how we're supposed to live because we have hope for tomorrow. We have hope for another life beyond this one, and all we're living for is this one. See, Paul understood something. He understood this is not the prize. The prize is the next chapter. 
And so that gave him some freedom. His pursuit was not today, but to press towards another life and to bring people with him. That was Paul's pursuit. Many in this culture are in this frenzy to take all of this life in, everything this life has to offer. I need to, um, I need to get the best job, and, and I need to go to all the parties. I need to sleep with all the different people, and, and I need to do all these things. I need to pursue all of my goals. I need to travel the world. I need to take the best pictures of my family, get the lighting just right. I need to do all of these things, and these things are not necessarily bad things. Don't get me wrong. But if that's it for us, then we're missing something. We can even translate this into ministry. I need to do all these things for God. I need to go uh, around the world and do some missions. I need, I need to plant a church. I, I just need to. I need to, I need to become an evangelist. I need to do all these things. I need to, and these things are not bad things, but can I tell you, don't forget the focus of Christianity is not what you can do for God, but what he already did for you. And God does not want us to have a bucket list. God wants us to have a calling from heaven that we're faithful to. If it's accomplished outside the will of God and it's not our calling, then then it's not worth it. We have a calling. God wants us to focus more on our calling than our pursuits. Because if we pursue God first, then our pursuits will get in line with his pursuits for our life. Abraham, he had to refocus his pursuits. You remember the story? God told Abram, he said, I want you to leave this land. All right, where are we going? Uh, I'll tell you when you get there. Can I just be honest with you this morning? How do you pack for a trip like that? Like, I don't understand what God wanted from him. And I'm sure Abraham had some pursuits of his own. I'm sure Abraham had some plans for the next year, his five-year plan. He was maybe going to go back to college. He was going to, I don't know what his plan was, but he had some pursuits and God said, no, I have a calling for you that doesn't involve those same pursuits that you have. And Abraham, he had to actually look beyond what he wanted and say, what's God's calling over my life? What's the prize here? Is it what I want or is it actually what God wants to fulfill my life? Paul, he, he understood the same thing. He teaches us to look more to the next life than what we can get in this life. Paul was destined to go to Rome. He knew this. And you know what his purpose was to go to Rome? It wasn't because he heard they had good pasta. And I want to see the Colosseum before I die. He wasn't thinking, oh, uh, Rome is a very romantic place. Maybe I'll meet a wife there. He wasn't thinking any of those things, which is probably something on our bucket list, on our pursuits, on our hashtag goals. But Paul was thinking, I'm going there to die. But his solution to the difficulties he was facing now was to look beyond those things to what's coming next. And it gave him this freedom. By looking forward to the next world, he needed less from this one. And if we can be honest this morning, many of us are solely focused on what we can accomplish now in this life. And we have a short-sighted focus. We need to get our mind on what's coming, on what's coming next, and it will change the way we approach what's happening now. You, you ever had a big vacation coming up? You've been planning it for weeks or, or months or maybe even years, and, and you got all the details worked out. You've been waiting and counting down the days. You have an app on your phone that counts down the days for you. 22 days till Disney World, whatever it is. And it comes down to the day before, and you're like at work. You know nothing can bother you that day. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? Everyone's like, every other day they'd be getting on your nerves, but you're like, I don't even care. I'm out of here tomorrow. You guys are on your own. I don't even care what happens. Or maybe it's like the last day of school. Remember when you went to school and it was the last day? Like nobody gets in trouble on the last day. What are they going to do? 
the first day of school next year, you're in trouble. Like, you won't even remember this. But there's something, there's a freedom that comes with that because you're looking beyond today. And in the same way, I think there's a freedom that comes with us in our relationship with God and in our life if we understand that we can look forward to the next life like Paul did. Paul was sitting in chains. He was imprisoned. He has a reason to have a bone to pick, right? This is not my pursuits. This is not what I had planned for my life, God. I was doing fine, and then you knocked me off a donkey. I don't understand what happened here. But he, he had all these things that I'm sure he had planned for his life, but next thing you know, he's sitting in a cell, a chain to some guards. But you know what? He didn't, he didn't look at it the same way he did. He actually used the opportunity. Every six hours, they would rotate a new guard in, and he would look at him and say, hey, how you doing? You got to sit with me for six hours. Can I tell you about a man named Jesus? Can I give you some literature this morning? No, I'm just kidding. That's what they say at your door. That's probably not how Paul did it. Um, but, they, but he took this as an opportunity. You know what un, Paul understood? That maybe a lot of you in this morning, maybe this will help you. Paul understood, I am not a victim to my circumstances. I am a weapon sent into this place, into the darkest place. And what the enemy meant for my harm is actually serving to sharpen me, to be even a better weapon for God. And he got into the midst of the Roman guard in Rome and taught them about Jesus. I guarantee you people were coming to Jesus because they saw a man in chains with joy. Remember Philippians? It was written when he was in prison. It's one of the prison letters, the prison epistles. And he said things like rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is a man in prison. We re- I mean, we have a hard time rejoicing sometimes on our day off. Oh, I got nothing to do. Like, <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. A man from prison can say that. You know what? He understood something about pursuit. He understood that there was greater things ahead of him. And if his eyes were stayed on that, then his focus was on eternity. Then there was confidence in knowing God is in charge and he's forever mine. And he's got something for me. That's why he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. He was not some super Christian. He was a human just like me and you. He just had his pursuit, his first pursuit after Jesus. You remember the illustration last week where he talked about a ladder. Well, the same with stairs. The first thing, if my first thing, my first pursuit is after God, then I could stand every other thing that comes in front of me. If my foundation is right, pursuit is a foundational thing. Here's a test this morning to see where your pursuits are. And I'm not here to condemn anyone because we all have things that we desire and pursuits, but I want to encourage you with what I say after this, so just stick with me. But whatever your pursuits are this morning, I want you to ask yourself, what will, if Jesus came back today in his glory, what are you pursuing right now that would last? And many of us would probably say, not much. And we'd say, Brent, I have, to, I have to lose weight. I have to get that degree. I have to get that job. I have to start that business. I have to get married. I have to plant a church. I have to dive with sharks. I have to backpack through Europe. And those are all good things. But my question to you this morning is, are you okay if God changes your pursuits a little bit? Or does he not have the authority to do that? Does he have the authority to say those are good things? But we worry that if I don't achieve them now, I'm never going to get the desires of my heart. Don't we think that? This is limited. This life is short. But I think Jesus, when he was resurrected from the dead and he spent time with the disciples, I want to show you something. I think he illustrated something to us about the next life. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and now he comes in bodily form. And you know what he does with the disciples? He comes to the disciples and he says things like, let's eat. 
Does that remind you of anything? Let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Maybe Jesus was saying, hey, let's have a fish fry on the beach because he wanted them to know, guess what? The desires of your heart that you think you're going to have to leave behind if you don't pursue me, I have those for you in the next life. I'm already, look at me. You want to touch me, Thomas? Touch me. This is real. I have life for you. You can trust me. Everything, every desire of your heart, whether it's fulfilled now or not, Jesus wanted to show us your greatest chapter is ahead of you, not behind you. I know you might be discouraged this morning and you might be hurting because of something that's happened to you or going on in your life right now. Your greatest chapter is ahead of you, not behind you. And you can focus on the future and everything God has for you and it will give you strength for the present. There is hope in the name of Jesus. Our pursuits here are nothing in comparison to when God puts creation back together. You know that? Right now we live in a world that's stained and broken by sin. And I tell you, I would love to go to Europe and backpack across Europe. And maybe that's a pursuit in my life. But you know what I need to understand? If I don't get it now in heaven, can you imagine when God puts creation back together, backpacking through the new creation? Come on, that's going to be much better. In fact, I can walk, I can journey with a lion if I want to. But you know what? I'm going to ride a lion in the creation. The new creation. No, no, scratch that. I'm going to ride a T-Rex through Europe or through the new creation. Joey, make me a new pursuit shirt with me riding a T-Rex because that's what I want to remember. That's what I want to focus on. I want to keep pursuing. That's a challenge. (laughs) This is life as it was meant to be restored in eternity. Maybe you can learn to dance. Maybe I'll dance less like a white guy. Maybe we'll fly. I don't know. What's going to happen in the, in the next life? But I know I, that I got, Jesus wanted me to know I can trust him with my eternity. And if I know that, then every pursuit of my life, if my first pursuit is in the right place, then I have less that I need from this place. If all of, all of my pursuits are in that basket, the less I need from this basket. Does that make sense this morning? There's three things I want you to remember this morning about this. The, the first one is the less you need from this world, the more you'll be able to do for it. You know, there's a lot of people that walk around, even Christians, with some hole that they're trying to fill in this life. And if they understand that if I allow Jesus and my pursuit first to be after him, he will fill this hole in my life and then I'll be free to go and change this life. I don't need anything from this world, so now I'm free to change this world. If I understand that the hole that I have in my heart that I'm seeking through relationships with people and I keep having broken relationships because people keep hurting me and I need something from them. So, But you know what happens when I allow Jesus to heal that hole and become what I need, the pursuit of my life, all of a sudden I'm free to have healthy relationships because I don't need anything from anyone. I'm free to be a friend and love people the way Jesus created me to be because he's filled that hole for me. The less you need people to fill the hole in your life, the more you'll be able to, you'll be free to enjoy relationships. The second thing, the less you need from this world, the more you can withstand pain in it. Every one of us here has difficulties that we're facing. If you were to rack your brain, it's really easy to come up with something to be stressed about. Have you noticed that? Do you ever do that? Is there anybody else here who, if you're not stressed about anything, you will find something to stress about? Like, that's terrible, isn't it? We do that to ourselves. I'm guilty of that. But you know what? We have difficulties we're facing now, but we also have a promised prize. We also have a promised prize. And and if our focus is on that, it changes the way we look at things. I 
I read the story about this pastor. He had another pastor friend who, who was diagnosed with cancer. And he, he went to visit him, when he, or he called him when he heard the news, and he said, hey, I'm sorry to hear about that. How are you feeling? And he said, actually, I'm feeling 100%. And he's like, man, that's God. We're praying for you at our church. You're on our prayer list. And, and uh, he said, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and months went by. He hadn't talked to him. And then he got news that he wasn't, he was doing wor- it wasn't doing any better. And so he called him again and said, hey, I heard you were feeling down, you know, and, and I heard what the doctors are saying, but you know what? We have hope in Christ. How are you feeling? Are you okay? And the, and the pastor, his pastor friend said, I'm 100%. He said, man, I'm glad to hear that. Praise God. And then months went by again, and, and he heard that he was in the hospital, and he went to visit his friend in the hospital, and he looked his pastor in the eyes, and he, and he looked like a shell of his former self. He said, man, I'm so sorry you're going through this. How are you feeling? And his pastor looked at him and said, 100%. And he, came, he did periodically, he kept visiting him about once a week in the hospital. And, and the pastor ended up dying. But uh, the week that he died, he went and visited him. And, and he looked his pastor in the face. He was weak and, and didn't have any strength left. And he was, his body was dying from this disease. And he said, how are, are you, how are you feeling? Are you in pain? Is it hurting? He said, I'm 100%. And he left the hospital, and, and that week you heard his pastor friend died, and he started to cry out to God and say, God, why? Why every time I visited him did he lie to me and tell me he was feeling good? Why did he tell me 100%? And God spoke to this pastor and said, because he was measuring something different than you're measuring. And can I tell you, if our eyes are fixed on heaven, that nothing can steal away our 100%, nothing and no difficulty I face in this life can change my view of eternity because God has a prize for me and he has a prize for you. And it doesn't matter what I face, I can face the difficulty now because I know what's coming. If my pursuits and focus are in this basket, I have something to worry about. But if my pursuits are on eternity, I have strength. I have strength. Romans 8. 18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I thought about this and I was thinking about, imagine you won the lotto, okay? This last week, it would have been a good week to win the lotto, okay? And you're on your way to pick up your winnings. But on the way, something terrible happens. You get pulled over and get a a speeding ticket because you're just so excited. Are you bummed? Heck no. Ah, bummer. I got a speeding ticket. Where's my $400 million? Come on, bring it on. I don't care about that speeding ticket. And you know what? Our approach to life can be the same way if I understand my God has a prize for me. Along the way, there's going to be distractions and there's going to be hiccups, but I know that my God has a prize and nothing is going to distract me from knowing my God has good things for me. This difficulty will not steal my focus. I need to fix my focus this morning. I need to fix my focus on eternity because perspective changes things. I've told you the story before, but I want to share for those of you who didn't hear this morning. It's not in my notes, but I just was reminded of it. And I took a trip to the zoo with my kids and, and my wife a while back, and, and we were seeing all the different exhibits and animals, and we came upon this, this animal, and it was an impala, not the car, the animal. And I was reading about it. My kids are like, oh, it's so cool. You know, it looks nice. And we're staring at this thing, and I'm reading on the little board about it. And it says, an impala can jump 33 feet at once. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I kept reading, and it said, an impala can jump from standing still 10 feet high into the air. 
I was like, this is an amazing animal. And then my eyes looked up to the exhibit and the fence that was between myself and the Impalas and my family and my children and the Impalas. Do you know this fence was three feet high? I grabbed my children and I started to pull them back and say, get back. This is dangerous. We need to get, but it actually made me curious. So I looked it up and do you know why an Impala will never escape from that cage? It's actually because an Impala will never jump to something it can't see. And because three feet is just taller than an Impala, it can't see where it will land. And it will never escape from something it very easily could. All because it doesn't have the perspective to get there. Perspective changes things. If my focus is on this life and this cage, I will never get out of it alive. I will never experience the life that Jesus died for me to have because I'm too focused and my perspective is on this life. C.S. Lewis said this. He's a famous theologian. I love reading quotes from him. He said, they say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing heaven once obtained will work backwards and turn even the agony into glory. C.S. Lewis, I love this because he's saying heaven is going to work backwards and the things that you see as painful today, God's going to turn around and use for your glory. Maybe you're here this morning and you're dealing with a hard life. Maybe your parents didn't show you the love you deserve. Maybe you're bound to an illness. Maybe you could never have kids. Maybe a marriage fell apart in your life. Maybe things didn't go as you planned. Maybe you're looking back in regret for the mistakes you've made. Maybe you're here this morning and you're hopeless. I want to encourage you this morning that I truly believe heaven is going to work backwards. That everything, the pursuits and the dreams of your heart will in some way be fulfilled and made up for in heaven. Every broken thing in this life, I believe God will make right in the next life. In Jesus' ministry, we see three disciples that Jesus kind of kept close. Peter, James, and John. And I'm sure they just thought they were special, but I have an issue. I don't know if they were special. Can I ask you this? If, you, if the teacher put your desk right next to her desk, does that mean you're special? I don't know. But Jesus kept these guys close. And one day, he went up on this mount that we know it as the Mount of Transfiguration. He went up with Peter, James, and John. And on top of this mountain, they came across some interesting characters. They ran into Elijah and Moses. What I love about that story, we talked about this a few months ago, was that Moses in his life never got to see the promised land. That was the desire of his heart. He asked God, please just let me go in. God said, you will not see it. And he died on on a mountain looking to the promised land. But can I tell you in eternity, I bet Moses was so stoked on this day on the Mount of Transfiguration when he found himself in eternity and in the next life standing in the promised land and seeing the very fulfillment of the desire of his heart. I believe in the same way heaven is going to work backwards in your life. In every need that you feel like wasn't met by people or things or circumstances, I believe God wants to meet that need, the desires of your heart in eternity. That means in this life I can find joy even when when people let me down or when people frustrate me, I can find joy because God promised me everything that my heart desires. Maybe not in this life, but at some point, I believe he's going to work backwards. First century Christians, they, they had an interesting issue because Jesus, can I get the worship team to come on back up? Jesus told them, I'm, I'm coming back. And so for us, we know, oh, it's, 
It's been 2,000 years. We don't know when Jesus is coming. It could be this. It could be today. It could be years from now. We don't know. Then all they knew, Jesus said, I'm coming back. So they were actually like thinking, what do I do with myself till then? Do I get a job? Or should I just like tell people about, what do I need to do with my life? They, they were kind of stumped. And Paul told them this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to go back to school. He wants you to get a job. He wants you to do something you love. He wants you to be the best employee at that job. Do whatever you can, the best you can do. If you're called to preach, he wants you to preach. If you're called to be a teacher, he wants you to be a teacher. If you're called to work on cars, he wants you to work on cars. If you're called to be a nurse, he wants you to be the best nurse at that hospital. You know why? Because people will see you. Here we go. (laughs) And they'll, they'll want to know the God that you know. Just mute it all, Aaron. It's fine. But I'm, in, I'm here to tell you this morning, people will look at your life and want what you have. They'll say, why are you so generous? And you'll say, you know what? I'm generous because I, I realize I don't really need anything from this world. I'm kind of already expecting something great in the next. And they'll want everything that you have. I want to finish by telling you a story that, did you know that within 200 years of Jesus' death and resurrection, that 50% of Rome professed to be Christians? They went from 8 to 50% in a huge revival, and it took place quickly. Within 200 years of Jesus' death and resurrection, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, 50% of Rome was Christian. You know what happened was there was a terrible plague that took place, and and people's families were abandoning them when they got sick because they didn't want to get sick. No one would touch these people because they were all dying from this plague. Even doctors were abandoning their patients and saying, don't come back here. I'm leaving this town. I don't want to get sick. You all are going to get me sick and I'm going to die. But do you know who didn't abandon these people? The Christians. 5,000 people were dying a day, but the Christians said, you know what? I don't really care. If I die, I get to be with Jesus anyways. And they had freedom to love those people right where they are. And people didn't care what the Christians were saying. They saw the life they were living and they said, I want what you have because there's something different in you. Can we be a church that lives that same way? That says, God, I don't need anything from this life. Whatever you give me to do, I'll do it. I want to fulfill a calling. I just don't want a bucket list. I don't want to fulfill every desire of my life, but not fulfill your desire for my life. What can I do for you, Jesus? I think that's God's heart for us. That we'd be free to love the unlovable because we don't need. We don't need this life as much as the others. You know, the less you need this world, the less you'll be likely to compete with others.